0: Welcome back to Financial Flyby. First, for some disclaimers. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific investment advice or recommendations. Individuals should always consult their own financial advisor or tax advisor regarding their specific financial situation before acting on any information provided. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Genius Wealth Management, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. And now on to Financial Flyby. Welcome back to Financial Flyby. It is December 7th. Do so you know what happened in this day in history? No idea. Two things. Okay. One thing is a historical event that changed the face of the world. That was Pearl Harbor Day. Okay. When the Japanese made their way on the U.S. soil for
1: the Day of Infamy.
0: Yeah, it's called the Day of Infamy. There's another Day of Infamy. Surprisingly, my birthday this there is today. You know. Is it? Yeah. I didn't know that. I'm 39.
1: Well, happy birthday.
0: 39 years old. And I'm pretty sure once you hit 39. Maybe this is only for girls. Maybe it's not for guys. You stay thirty-nine, right? You never go up past that point. I think it works for you, though. It works for me too. Yeah, Yeah, I'll probably just stay the same, like look the same age, but my age will get older from this point forward. Happy birthday! I wish I would have known that. Well,
1: it takes a podcast for you to tell me.
0: It's just not that big of a deal anymore. Once you hit, once you hit what, twenty-one? Like, does it really matter anymore? It's a big deal for some people. I woke up and it just felt like, I mean, my family makes it nice for me and everything, but in all reality, it just feels like another day. Now, some people make it a whole week. You know, I don't really understand that. The problem with having your birthday, because my birthday
1: is on the opposite end, my birthday is the end of January, is you're too close to the holiday. Yeah. That it just kind of gets shuffled in, right?
0: But I don't mind that. Like, for me now at this when point... When you were
1: a kid, you probably did, right? Because people were like, I'll wait to, you know, or I'll... I think people that have summer birthdays, you know, when we were kids got got hurt because, like, you couldn't bring treats to school or whatever. Yeah. But it was good because you got to have, like, a pool party. And then by the time yeah. it was July, people were, like, more willing to give
0: you a gift. Whereas, <laughs> like, I feel time. like by the, when it's Christmas, you're gifted out. It, especially January, actually. That would actually be harder. Yeah. All right, so... The market's been very choppy this week. I know we're not going to make this a market centric podcast, but let's just talk about a few things that happened. You know, the Fed chairman, Powell, said we're closer to the neutral rate before. That was a positive for the market. And then Trump came out and said that today, James Bullard,
1: who's the St. Louis Fed chairman, so he gets a vote on the Fed raising interest rates keeping them the same or lowering them said he is in favor now of not raising
0: okay so closer to that neutral rate positive for the market trump came back from the chinese meeting meeting with xi and uh he said it went well that the tariffs would be on hold for a while that was a positive for the market but then we hit you know tuesday thursday friday and uh, we had some tweets out from Donald Trump, and it caused the market to go in the other direction. So we're not going to keep this a market-centric podcast. Cause there are other important topics to cover as far as what we discuss with clients. But it was a, it was a choppy week for people.
1: Yeah, a lot of volatility. Uh, the truth, though, is, is we're kind of just staying in a range, right? So last week, the market was maybe up 6% or so. This week, the market's down six percent so net net over the last two weeks you didn't make any progress but it feels a lot worse than than what that actually is because of all the volatility
0: a lot of reasons for that and it could overall be-
1: though I'd just say that we're the defensive team is on the field after this week's action so at this point you know we're back to where we kind of when we started the podcast and saying you know we're not we're not adding anything at this point. If we, had the, if, we had the field, if we had the ball back on the field, yes, we'd be looking to add to low valve fund. But at this point, with the defense being on the field again, we can't run any offensive plays.
0: Okay, so I had, I had met with a couple of people this last week, and we discussed those meetings. One was a guy that was buying a, a business, um, and we had talked about different ways of structuring it. And a lot of people might not understand the best way to structure a business purchase. Because you get excited sometimes that you're going to make this happen and you want to go to the next step. But sometimes it's worth, besides just having the legal team involved, having an accountant involved as well for various reasons. Now, you've not only purchased this business, but you've looked at other ones as well. Can you talk about a few things that you see as important um, as far as an accounting eye when you're looking at buying a business? Yeah, I would say that
1: it is vital to have an accountant look at it because I've worked with various attorneys for the buyers and the sellers in past, and they don't understand
0: the accounting. And there so, could be some real savings if you have the accountant look at it. Correct.
1: So there's really two ways to purchase a business. One is either an asset sale or a, or the other is a stock sale. So most entities that people would probably be purchasing would would be incorporated business. And in incorporated business, whether it's Apple or whether it's the new business that you just started you know a week ago if it's a corporation there has been shares issued so you can do a very simple stock transaction buy a business on stock and when you buy it on stock you value the company and you buy those shares now the, the seller gets to take the um, the business and take They treat the the money that they got from the sale as long-term capital gain if they've been involved in the business for over a year. Very favorable tax treatment at long-term capital gain, right? 0%, 15%, or 20% Mm -hmm. long-term capital gain rate. And the buyer gets the business, and that's it. No tax deductions, no write-offs. Because essentially you're purchasing the stock you're a, you're establishing a basis just like you would if you said I want to buy a hundred shares of of XYZ company on the on the market so that's your basis so when you go to sell the stock 10 15 20 years later if you, if you sell it for a higher price than you bought it you would only pay taxes on the difference um, and if you sold it for a lesser price you would you know take a loss but again um, you know, over over 15, 20 years, you'd like to maybe get some sort of deduction over those years, right? Sure, sure. So the other way is an asset sale, and I think you know I most of the ones that I've seen and what I've read online is maybe ninety percent of all stock transac or sales are done on an asset sale basis, and that's where you basically come up with a valuation for the different components of the business. So the furniture right here, that's a part of the business um the the equipment is part of the business um the main part of most businesses though is what in tax world we would call goodwill which is the the list of clients that comprise that business so right. if you're buying an insurance agency the largest asset there is that list of what's the word i'm looking for List of customers. Customers that, sure. you know, you're, you're getting insurance from. Yeah. And the benefit to structuring the business as an asset sale would be um, the, the seller would take the furniture component of it. So let's say it's a $100,000 sale and the furniture is 20000 and Goodwill is 80000 So the furniture, that 20000 the seller would have to pay ordinary income. The buyer would get to write that all off in the first year. Great, right? I right. gave twenty thousand, I get a twenty thousand dollar deduction. The eighty thousand that's remaining, that's the goodwill. The seller would treat that as long term capital gains, again, zero, fifteen, twenty. And the buyer would have to depreciate that over or amortize that over fifteen years. So it's not it's not all amortizable or all deductible in the first year, but at least you're getting something. You know, 80000 over 15 years. I mean, at least there's something there for you. Versus if it's a stock sale, you get nothing.
0: Yeah. And the other thing with a stock sale is that you mentioned, if you buy it as a stock sale, you're sort of forced to sell it as a stock sale as well, correct?
1: You would want to, obviously. <laughs> because the, the thing that's hard with a, with a small business transaction and a stock sale is how do you actually accurately value the company?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right so if you if I asked you today uh December seventh two thousand and eighteen what's a share of apple worth right you could tell me right sure there's a uh a business on the corner of where we are now they sell health insurance. I'm not gonna tell you the name, but it's a small business, and no one would ever have heard of it unless they're in the area probably mm-hmm. but what's that company worth
0: you know right.
1: You have I mean, no clue,
0: right? You couldn't even begin to pick a number. No, if if you said you've got to buy this business today, make up a number, that could be a wide-ranging number as far as what it comes up with. Correct.
1: And I would advise you again as your accountant that if you were the buyer of that business, if you were my client and said, "Hey Patrick, I want to buy that business down there, how should I structure the sale?" I would say you want to do it as an asset sale. If you came back and you said, well, they want to sell it to me as a stock sale, I would say, okay, if that's the case, since you're not getting any write offs, you would probably want to get a discount. Sure. You know, over maybe what they're asking to make it worth your while. And then, you know, then it starts to get into maybe a cantankerous situation where you know, they're looking at the value and they're saying, well, it's worth this. And you're looking at it and you're saying, well, no, I need it at this level. So it just gets to be difficult. Whereas if you just do it straight as an asset sale, you know, you're going to get some
0: favorable tax treatment and be a little bit more happy. Okay. So let me just take this back a step because people obviously hire attorneys to work through the legal transfer of a business and they... Sometimes have accountants involved as well, but you know it's less frequent when you're dealing with small businesses. Do the attorneys really care how the sale is set up, or are they it's hard for me to ask this question. Are the attorneys acutely involved in that decision if it's a stock or asset sale, or are they just trying to put the legal paperwork together to transfer the assets from one person to another? Is that a fair question? Is that you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I think you know it depends on,
1: obviously, which side of the table the attorney's on, right? The seller's attorney is gonna to try to push, or should be pushing for it to be a stock sale. Right. Because they want to benefit their client, and they want to come back and say, hey, Mr. Jones, I got you to sell this as a stock sale, and now it's all capital gain. If they know that, yeah, the buyer's attorney might look at it differently. But a stock sale is certainly much easier than an asset sale from multiple components, even an accounting perspective, various forms that have to be filed as an asset sale, and a lot more complexity. And unfortunately, sometimes I've seen in the past with various attorneys that they just want to make it easy, collect their fee, and move on. Right. Mm-hmm. So I've been involved in a few, like I said, and you know, I was at a continuing ed class this year, and the instructor said that. From the buyer's perspective, there would probably never be a case where you'd want to do it as a stock sale. So what does that tell you? I mean, obviously, I don't think they were making a statement that there, it would be never, never. But, you know, most of the time you would want to do it as an as a asset sale. And again, if I was representing you as my client and you were the buyer and you said, well, the seller is forcing me to do it as a stock sale, I would say, well, then there needs to be some sort of discounting.
0: I think that makes sense. Okay, next thing. If you don't mind, going to the next thing. Yeah. All right, we had two clients this week, uh, prospects, two prospects this week, come in and didn't have retirement plans for their small business. One was a legal firm, one's a private equity firm with a few employees in each one. Uh, We were kinda gonna go over the different options they have as far as setting up 401k plans or, or retirement savings plans with the business which ones might make sense, and how to structure that. Do you want to take a step back and like talk about the LLC creation, or do you want to just go on to the retirement plan? Because I think we just could talk about the retirement plan. That should cover enough, right?
1: Yeah, I think that's enough for today.
0: Okay. So there's two different businesses. Um, both have sort of highly compensated employees that want to put money away for retirement more than they can in an IRA. The IRA obviously only has $5,500 that they can put away. If you create a few different ways of savings that, you can do it at two times that, or three times your IRA savings, all the way up to 10 times your IRA savings. And there's ways to do more per year. Uh, For each business, different people have different needs. One is gonna be the cost component. One's gonna be how much they can put away. And then the final thing might be how many employees they have that want to contribute to this, right?
1: Yeah, I think the thing that we find most people on this podcast, and if you went out onto the street today, know what a 401k is, right? That's a fairly standard benefit offered at most businesses. Right. Small business, you can do a 401k. There's no problem with doing a 401k. We have... Clients of ours that are our 401k plans. The problem is, is there's some costs associated with that, some matching components associated with that. That you know, as a small business to administer something, does it always make sense to to bear that fee? It's hard to pass it on to your employees. You can't tell them, hey, instead of giving you a raise this year, I'm offering a 401k. And you know, there's some costs associated with it. Your employees don't care. Right. So, most people don't recognize that there's a few alternative options that are just a little bit cheaper that could make some sense that offer you the benefit, offer you the benefit as the owner and your employees the benefit, which, you know, with unemployment rate at what's the rate now, three, four? Yeah, it's in that range. Things are competitive, so you're offering a benefit to your employees Mm -hmm. that is gonna make them happy and maybe make them stick around.
0: And it allows you to put more money away for your retirement pre-tax then you would be able to in an IRA. So you can do, them. The you can do itself. them
1: post-tax too. All these options have Roth. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to do a Roth 401k, the other two options that we're talking about is something called a simplified employer pension, an SEP or a simple IRA.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, there's Roth options for that. And the difference between those two options over the 401k is the contribution limits are slightly different or less again better than an IRA but the bigger thing is there's no requirement to file various forms Um, and you don't have to get other providers involved that obviously when you get them involved there's going to be additional costs as well
0: okay I think that if someone's listening to this and they don't have a 401k at work give us a call there's a lot of different options that we can provide to you Everyone's situation is different. Everyone's situation is unique, but there are a myriad of options to fit what you're trying to accomplish. And just by having a basic conversation with someone, you can reduce their taxable income. You can find a way to make their employees a little happier, and set up a retirement plan for the business. It's like fair. It's absolutely fair. Is there anything else you want to cover today? We've gone twenty seventeen minutes.
1: No, I think that's good today.
0: All right. Everyone have a good weekend. Hopefully you uh, stay warm if you live in this area. And we look forward to talking to you next week on Financial Flyby.